Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. I'd settle for Bob Uecker. He was, uh, I, I went back and listened to that episode. All right, so um, we're going to kick the rust off and say welcome back to Cinema Chop Shop. It's been far, far too long since our last episode, which I do believe our two uh, guests uh, were on the episode. We're welcoming back to the show Joey Poole. Hello. And Todd. What up? And of course, I'm your host, Sean, uh, the Brew Boss. We're right in the thick of baseball season, and Joey and I were chatting about just how good some of the uh, teams are this year, how bad some of the other teams that you would expect to be good are in Major League Baseball. And I said, you know, let's just do a major, let's do a baseball episode. Uh, we've done one in the past, but this one is going to be a little different. Um, we're going to do a bracket style Sweet 16 tournament of baseball films. When we talked about doing it, I, I kind of picked out 32 well-known baseball movies and sent them Joey's way. And I said, pick pick 16 that you like, and then we'll make a bracket out of it. And then, Joey, you had the great idea of uh, using Rotten Tomato scores to seed these against one another. That way it's completely fair. You and I weren't stacking the deck or anything. And this, is, of course, was before uh, Todd had agreed to, to come on to the episode. But we're going to have a lot of fun today. We're going to talk about 16 uh, well-known and maybe some that aren't so well-known uh, baseball films. Pit them up head-to-head head head against each other. And I w- well, I will add, too, some of the ones that I that I called down in from, from my 16 from your original 32 weren't necessarily movies that I liked. Some of them were movies that either A, I really wanted to watch, or B, I thought probably based on what I knew about them might deserve to be here for whatever reason, which we'll talk about as we get into the seedings, I guess. The other thing that kind of got this this whole episode idea started, I was telling you the story about when I was a child and played Little League. Mm-hmm. I was the only left-hander in my entire town of 8,000 people or however many it was. And so, as a result, they didn't know how to pitch me, so I never had to swing the bat. I just walked a lot. <laughs> so my on-base percentage was probably crazy high, but my batting average had to have been like a zero zero two or something. Uh, because it wasn't until my second year in Little League that my dad started paying me to swing the bat. So every time I swung, I got a quarter. Every time I fouled a ball, I got, a 50, I got 50 cents. Every time I got a hit, I got a dollar. And so, uh, so Billy Bean would have loved you then, whereas his scouts would have hated you. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I had once I had the incentive, I started to really get into baseball. (laughs) (laughs) We do have a lot of uh, baseball to talk about today, so um, we're going to dive right in, and we're going to try to get this first round knocked out in the first half of the episode. Uh, Just uh, real quickly, we're going to run down the uh, the films that we're going to go head to head against in our bracket. our number one seed, and of course, again, this is by Rotten Tomatoes. We've got uh, Bull Durham, and it's going head-to-head against Beer League from 2006. Uh, the Bad News Bears, 1976, is our number two seed against uh, Rookie of the Year from 1993. Uh, Major League is going head-to-head with The Natural. The movie 61, asterisk, uh, from 2001, is going head-to-head with uh, A League of Their Own from 1992. Bingo Long, Traveling All-Stars, and Motor Kings from 1976 will go head-to-head against The Sandlot from 1993. Moneyball from 2011 will go head-to-head against The Babe from 1992. Uh, Field of Dreams from 1989 will go head-to-head with Cobb from 1994. And then lastly, we will have Eight Men Out from 1988 going head-to-head with 42 from uh, 2013. 
Anything else we want to say about these before we go jumping into their matchups? Everything I want to say about the seedings, I think, will come out in the discussion of the film. Yeah. So I vote mm-hmm. we jump right in. Yeah, there were some fortuitous seedings, and then there were some really uh, unfortunate seedings. Some of you really into this genre may have heard some of that and been like, what? So we'll, <laughs> we'll unpack that as we go along. Yeah. All right, so we're up uh, up at the top of the bracket. We're going to go against, uh, we're going to go Bull Durham, 1988 film. Um, it is a story of a fan who has an affair with one minor league baseball player each season. She meets an up-and-coming pitcher and, an, and the experienced catcher assigned to him. It is uh, written and directed by Ron Shelton, and it stars, of course, Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins. Against that, we're going to be talking about Beer League from 2006. An unemployed slacker inspires his softball teammates to improve their game so they won't get kicked out of the local league. Directed by Frank Sebastiano, written by Frank Sebastiano and Artie Lang, starring Artie Lang, Ralph Macchio, and Anthony DeSando. <laughs> um, familiar with one, I have not seen another. <laughs> I'm here to say that you haven't missed a whole lot by not seeing Beer League. Uh, it deserves its 16 seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very typical uh, kind of... Lowbrow, middlebrow comedy. Yeah, if you know anything about Artie Lang's comedy, lowbrow. Uh, I'm going to be the anti PC guy. He really leans into that uh, in the in the movie. Um, it should be noted, Ralph Macchio delivers perhaps the worst uh, effort to appear drunk that I've ever seen in a film. Um, so it, it might be bad. worth watching uh, just to witness that. Yeah, it rides that effort. whole uh, not so lovable loser shtick of Artie Lang's really hard doesn't get anywhere I think I speak for all three of us when I say that this one is pretty clearly going to Bull Durham yeah let's talk about Bull Durham real quickly um, I, we've covered it on the show before but uh, regarded as one of the best baseball if not one of the best sports mm-hmm. films made I mean it's Sports Illustrated I think on a, a list of the top 100 sports films put Bull Durham number one uh, several years back uh, so it's oftentimes not just at the top of the baseball lists, but the the sports lists as well. The one um, thing I, I I've liked about Bull Durham uh, all all, of, all along is that uh, unlike uh, a lot of baseball films, it's not too wrapped up in sentimentality. It mm-hmm. is a pretty uh, pretty pessimistic or cynical film, I think, and that is refreshing when you kind of look at the big body of work that we had to choose from for baseball movies. Um, it's, I think it's kind of incidental that we're talking about baseball. It's more about the human interactions, the relationships, the, uh, some dishonesty and some, you know, that kind of thing, uh, plays, plays a bigger role, which I think, uh, leads into why Bull Durham is, is, is a superior film, uh, especially in this case. Yeah. And, and, uh, certainly the one, one thing that's interesting is the Kevin Costner, uh, character, the protagonist crash is, uh, not your typical protagonist who is either the up-and-comer or usually if it's the old lion, he's going to have that one last moment of glory, uh, which I guess Crash sort of has at one point. Like he breaks the minor league record for home ones, right? But then it turns out that's kind of fortuitous. Um, when he breaks that record, no one notices that he bre- breaks the record. and um that's not a great record to have, either. and it's not. It, it means that you <laughs> yeah. were in the minor leagues. You were pretty good for know. a long time. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to, and you know, in this uh, hot shot played by um, uh, Tim Robbins comes up that is clearly 
you know, going places and, and uh, Crash has to kind of reckon with that. He ends up kind of helping him out, but at first it's really hard for him. He calls him meat, um, <laughs> you know. So many of these movies mythologize men who are very, very good at what is essentially a child's game. And this one kind of does something different, which is it, you know, shows the sort of warts and all realities of, of these guys who can't quite make it. I mean, I know Tim Robbins' character does make it to the, to the big leagues, but you have crash kind of stalled there. Well, if you want to look at the victory for uh, the protagonist in this one, it's not his victory. So, or it is his victory, but it's, he he gets it vicariously by helping out because he, it's his advice essentially that helps push um, meat. I can't even remember his real name, but uh, that character, um, helped him to improve and there are some great scenes in there where you know uh, he just wants to throw the fastball and then um you know uh, crash is trying to get him to throw a curveball and uh, he finally when uh he refu- when uh meat refuses to throw anything but the fastball crash just goes to there and says he's throwing a fastball yep and <laughs> knocks it off the he, bowl he screws him over and that he, he learned the lesson yeah. Uh, all right, so pretty much clear that the first uh, the first matchup we're going with Bull Durham. This one's not close. Yeah. Skunk rule, call it in the fifth <laughs> inning. Yeah. Yeah, the Bull Durham batted through the order twice before they got an out. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. All right, so let's go across the bracket, and unfortunately, we've got two children movies, uh, but one certainly uh, I think is more a- all age appealing, and we're talking about 1976's The Bad News Bears. An aging, down-on-his-luck ex-minor leaguer coaches a team of misfits in an ultra-competitive California Little League. Directed by Michael Ritchie, written by Bill Lancaster, starring Walter Matthau, Tatum O'Neill, and Vic Morrow. Uh, This movie's great. It's a lot of fun. You get to see kids smoking and drinking. (laughs) What else can you say about the 70s? Right. The funny story I have about this movie is that I saw this movie at church. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure I did, too. They would have, like... uh, Valentine's banquets or whatever for the adults, and they would just throw us in the upstairs Sunday school room with a with a movie, and uh, we watched Crawl the Conqueror one year. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we watched uh, Beastmaster. I oh think, my gosh! And then this one, yeah, I don't think anybody really thought about what they were showing us. Wow, oh, here's a movie. Isn't yeah. there nudity in Beastmaster? If I recall, I think so. Tanya think, Roberts, maybe. Yeah. Well, I think that the one that we saw was a copy of one that had been taped off of TBS or something. more concerning is the fact that you're dealing with some pagan (laughs) shit going on there. That's wild. We're taking that one head to head uh, with Rookie of the Year from 1993. When an accident miraculously gives a boy an incredibly powerful pitching arm, he becomes a major league pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. This was directed by Daniel Stern, uh, written by Sam Harper, starring Thomas Ian Nicholas, Gary Busey, Albert Hall and Daniel Stern. Uh, clearly a kids' movie. Um, I talked to uh, 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 our uh, absent co-host Chelsea about this. She loved this film as a child. She said she loved hearing the the sound that his arm made when it ratchets back mm-hmm. for throwing. Um, really a silly movie though. Uh, Daniel Stern's character I think is probably one of the strangest choices I've ever seen. Um, really not funny, but I think maybe to a four or five year old he's funny well I, I agree with chelsea i saw this movie and i actually owned a vhs copy of it when i was you know 12 13 uh, whenever it came out and so i've actually seen it quite a few times for that reason uh, and like her i do have some nostalgia surrounding it i mean obviously bad news bears is going to win here but um i i think the daniel stern uh character definitely 
is more appealing to a, a 12 year old's comedic sensibility. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I think Daniel Stern, I would be surprised if you asked him if he wouldn't admit that he's trying to channel his inner Jerry Lewis. Cause that's very much yeah. the type of uh, act he's going with, with that character, kind of the Jerry Lewis sort of stick. It should be noted that the, uh, the manager of the baseball team of the Chicago Cubs was the boat captain from apocalypse. Now, Oh. Um, also, the first baseman on the Chicago Cubs is the actor who played Janitor on Scrubs. And the cute girl in the class that he had the crush on later went on to become a, a chef. She actually, she is a chef, uh, but was a, one of these celebrity chefs. She was like one of those chef competition shows. Hmm. Oh, so she's doing very well for herself. Okay. Okay. All right, so we're going to award this one to Bad News Bears. Any objections? No, no. No, there's nothing wrong with Rookie of the Year. It's fine as a kid's movie. Yeah, it's a kid's movie. Uh, but yeah, I think Bad News Bears clearly It has is a broader iconic. appeal. I think Bad News Bears achieves that thing where a kid can watch it and get a kick out of it, and grown-ups can watch it and, and enjoy it for a different reason. It is. It does get pretty dark, though. Yeah. Um, oh, he pa- like he's not just a curmudgeon. He's an a alcoholic. He passes out on the field at one point. He verbally and abuses the uh, Tatum O'Neill character, character uh, in the dugout, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, based, called, he called her a little shit or something like that. Or She was trying to hang out with him, uh, get him to hang out with her outside of baseball. And he was like, look, I don't want to hang out with you. Yep. Um, but yeah, clearly, clearly the, the better. The okay. Better. All right. We're going to move on. We're going to hit the uh, number eight and number nine seeds. We're right in the middle of the bracket. It's... Uh, 1989's Major League, uh, the new owner of the Cleveland Indians puts together a purposely horrible team so they'll lose and she can move the team, but when the plot is uncovered, they start winning just to spite her. Written and directed by David S. Ward, starring Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, Corbin Burnson, Wesley Snipes, Bob Euchre, Rene Russo, and Dennis Haysbert. That's all state stand. <laughs> I rewatched It and The Natural last night. Uh... I don't know that Major League holds up as well for me, uh, comedy-wise, on the viewing now. I remembered it being funnier than what I found at this time. Um, I can't really put my finger on what I... I mean, like, they have the voodoo... Uh, Jumbo. Play, yeah, uh, right. Um, no, Serrano. He, he, Serrano, right. He worships uh, Jumbo. Right. And then he has the conflict with the Christian character. Um, they had the, uh, you know, the um, the rich... Uh, guy who's you know kind of only uh you know half halfway in it at the beginning of the movie the Corbin Birdson character, uh they've got kind of the crash type character with the uh the old catcher, um, right Tom Berenger Tom Berenger's character right I don't know I mean I can't put my finger on it the humor just didn't it just struck me as a little bit okay. too lowbrow this time on it I enjoyed it um i'd have to say but i didn't find myself like cracking up like i kind of thought that i would uh to the extent that i thought either i'll i'll pre- preface what i'm going to say by the fact that i did not have a chance to rewatch this one although i have seen it multiple times and it wasn't too terribly long ago that i watched it again uh i was a, a bit dismayed at this at this particular matchup because i thought this was a difficult one to call because the natural is for me the first time I'd ever watched it was a year or two ago when we did our first baseball movies episode. Uh, and I declared it a personal favorite at the time, if you remember, despite mm-hmm. its flaws. Um, so I was kind of shocked that it was a nine seed coming in. I, I thought it may have been 
you know, higher, much higher than yeah, that. Yeah, The Natural has a, uh, and both of these movies have an 83 on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So and they are perfectly matched with one another. And Major League is, I mean, it is what it is, but as far as like that kind of like, you know, lowbrow sports comedy, it's probably, in my memory anyway, and again, Todd, you've seen it more recently than I have, in my memory, it is the absolute top shelf of that genre. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, of the lowbrow. You know, you know, it we, was a difficult matchup for me. Well, we keep saying lowbrow for 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 Major League. Now, granted, a lot of the humor is lowbrow, but the setup for the movie, the the plot, is the exact same plot that was the setup for Ted Lasso. And that's why mm. it's much much better right. than Beer League, for instance, which it doesn't right. have much to offer. Well, and and we could talk about this too, but I, it, uh, the Natural has somewhat of a similar plot too, uh, not exactly the same, but similar in that it has an owner who's a shithead who's trying to sabotage. Uh, his own team, his or her own team. And for anybody who has not seen The Natural, we've talked about it on the show before. It's from 1984. It's a middle-aged unknown comes seemingly out of nowhere to become a legendary baseball player with almost supernatural talent. Directed by Barry Levinson, written by Bernard Malamud, Roger Town, and Phil Dusenberry. And it stars Robert Redford, Robert Duvall, and Glenn Close. I'm not the biggest fan of the natural. I find it to be a little, a uh, little too um, overly sentimental, and uh, the the melodrama is thick. So this is interesting. Uh, comparing uh, the film with the no- uh, Bernard Malamud's original novel, which I've actually read, it's a pretty faithful adaptation up until the end. Mm-hmm. So. He gets shot by a woman at the beginning of the film. It sidetracks his career. All that same stuff kind of happens in the novel. The difference, though, is that at the end, when the gamblers come in, Roy Hobbs actually falls for the temptation in the novel um, and decides at the last second in the novel that he doesn't want to do it, but uh, ends up failing anyway. He doesn't hit the classic home run. So it's kind of a downer ending. And what the uh, novel, I think, is trying to get at is the way in which America builds up its heroes into these mythological characters and then tears them down. Um, hmm. And it the movie is, uh, you know, heading in kind of a similar direction, but of course it goes for more of the feel-good uh, sort of ending where, where it uh, again diverges from the novel is when you know he he doesn't he's it's not tempted at all by the uh, gamblers um won't take their money okay and then of course he's a paragon of virtue a paragon of virtue and i think that might lend itself somewhat to what you're saying and i actually had this discussion with joey that i do think that's a, a little bit of a flaw in the movie it's thematic consistency is thrown off by that because in the novel the the it's got that arc that I just mentioned. Okay. Uh, whereas in this one it seems to be heading in that uh, direction of tearing <laughs> down the myth, but at the end it actually just leans into it. But watching it last night, I actually had less of a problem because um, I think if there's one genre in which sentimentality is okay, it is in the <laughs> sports yes <laughs> and baseball <genre laughs> and the baseball genre. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit on some other sentimental ones right. coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and look, you couldn't have made a movie where at the end the hero takes, you know, is on the take right. and then strike, you know, I mean, you just couldn't have a Hollywood film that did that. 
Uh, and so it makes sense that they changed it in the way that they did, but I didn't have as much of a, of a problem with it watching it again because, you know, leaning into the mythology and creating that sort of mythological character right. um, versus, and if they match up later, uh, this will be interesting to talk about, but, you know, the realism of Bull Durham. Okay. Um, but anyway. All right. Well, then let's uh, let's take a vote then, uh, Joey. I've declared the natural a personal favorite. I'm riding it for You're a while. You're sticking to it? The natural. All right, I'm voting for Major League. I'm overruled, so the natural will move on. It it, it hurts me a little bit that Major League didn't make it out of I the know. first round. Unfortunate seating. Had it. Unfortunate yeah, seating. There are a lot of movies here <clears throat> that it would have beaten, but this is not one of them for me. If sequels were uh, were, were uh, point getters, then <laughs> the Major League would uh, get points just for having a couple of sequels. <laughs> there were no natural sequels. It must not have been that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the natural too. I had completely forgotten about Major League Two as well until after I watched it last night. I saw it yeah. on the you know, and then Major League back in training or I back in the like minors. I watched all There's three like of three those in the same yeah. weekend right. a while back. But, Moving yeah. on, we're going to talk about uh, sixty one yeah. asterisk two thousand one. Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle race to break Babe Ruth's single season home run record. Directed by Billy Crystal, written by Hank Steinberg. Starring Barry Pepper, Thomas Jane, and Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, going head-to-head with a league of their own, 1992, two sisters joined the first female professional baseball league and struggled to help it succeed amid their growing uh, rivalry. Uh, directed by Penny Marshall. Uh, written by Kim Wilson, Kelly Candal- Candale? 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 Lowell, Grant- Lowell Gans. And starring Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Lori Petty, Madonna, and Rosie O'Donnell. Go. Well, you said when we talked about this via text that you had things to say about 61. So if I'm saying the same thing, stop me. But uh, this is Yankees fan fiction. <laughs> and as such, it's not terrible. I actually enjoyed I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, I didn't know much about the Mantle Maris chase for, for 61. So having that backstory was interesting. I'm pretty sure I got a somewhat whitewashed version of that backstory because this movie does not go for like a warts and all kind of, you know, realism, but it does show the darker side of Mantle's character, especially. And I find it interesting to note that even in Yankees fan fiction, Yankees fan fiction depicts Yankees fans as pieces of shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that was what I found most noteworthy about it. Um, for years, I've listened to Billy Crystal talk about the fucking Yankees, mm-hmm. and this, I call this uh, uh, Billy Crystal edging himself. <laughs> For two and a half hours. Like, like, like yeah. he, he must have had, like, he must have had a box of Kleenex stuck to the director's chair, because this guy was jerking himself off the whole fucking film. Um First of all, uh, I, well, there's a lot of kind of homoerotic stuff in the movie. Oh too. yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, low production. Boy, the bromance between Mickey Mantle and uh, Roger Maris. Come yeah. on. There's I mean. there's very low production value at the beginning of the film when we're in the modern day part. I didn't. I was like, is this like a made for TV movie? No, it looks Which like it is a H- lifetime. It movie. is an HBO Productions, uh, but there's some awful green screens of them at Yankee yeah. Stadium that are pretty pretty bad. Um, Thomas Jane's awful hair dye job as Mickey Mantle. <laughs> Oh, it was bad. Um, um, okay, Shooter McGavin, uh, uh, the actor's name escapes my mind. He played uh, Mel Allen, uh, mm-hmm. the 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 announcer uh, for the for the Yankees, and his impression was terrible. Mm-hmm. Like uh, he, he's at like a higher octave register on his on his reads 
And Mel Allen's more like, how about that? And he's like, how about that? <laughs> and I was like, this is awful. This is terrible. He was um, no Bob Euchre, if we're comparing. You know, yeah, right. Who we didn't mention for Major League. But yeah. So I, I did not enjoy 61, um, and it is the uh, higher seed in this. Yeah, uh, that was shocking. But based on the Rotten Tomatoes, it's got an 86. A League of Their Own has an 81. Um, I think A League of Their Own is a fantastic film. Uh-huh. It it passes the uh, what what are we t- what is it was the Bechdel test, test. Uh, it, <laughs> which is as a not many movies on this list are going to do that exactly. <laughs> um, it is a fantastic uh, uh, female affirming film yeah. in and of itself. Uh, you've got one of Tom Hanks' great uh, performances, uh, Lori Petty and Gina Davis. You, you didn't like it? Well, I, we'll talk about this because it's gonna it's gonna go to the next round, right? I, I I'm gonna vote for the League of Their Own. Uh, you me too. So it's going to the next round. We'll talk about that as it as it goes forward. So we will jump on over and we'll get deeper into that film. This was one last thing. This was the very first time that I had seen a League of Their Own, which okay. is shocking. Um, and so maybe it's a recency bias, but like I, I don't want to give too much of my bracket away but it's a dark horse here for me okay okay oh yeah shocking that it came in as number this, 10. this being Who a 10 vote? well this this is sort of the equivalent of like 20 years ago when gonzaga started being good and yeah. they would be they were still like 10 11 seeds <laughs> and were like ups and like kill like the seven you know what this was critics, kind of the equivalent of that what critics didn't like this movie enough to put it as the 10th overall scene. i don't know like that just i, I find <coughs> well, it shocking you anyway. got a lot of a lot of men who don't like uh women apparently Um, All right, so jumping down into the bottom part of the brackets, we've got number four, uh, Bingo Long, Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings from 1976. Tired of the slave-like treatment of his team's owner, charismatic star, Negro League pitcher, Bingo Long takes to the road with his band of barnstormers through the small towns of the Midwest in the 1930s. Directed by John Badham, uh, written by William Brashler, Hal Barwood, and Matthew Robbins, starring Billy D. Williams, James Earl Jones and Richard Pryor. This was new for both of you. I had never even had, heard of Bingo Long. Yeah, it also it was completely new for me too. I th- the name rang a bell for some reason, and it's because you you guys had talked about it previously, but I had never seen it. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had I didn't know a thing about it. Um, this is for me the most fucked up seating in the entire tournament because the Sandlot, for better or for worse is an absolutely just iconic kids movie, baseball sports film. And it's up, it's coming in as the what? 13 seed. Yeah. 13 seed. Uh, we've got a, um, where are we on? Oh, a, a 65 on rotten tomatoes. So that made it difficult. And whichever one comes out of this one has field of dreams lurking in the second round. So possibly, possibly. Don't well, don't give anything away. Okay. But <laughs> I feel like either one of these movies with different seating could have made a run. I struggled with this one. All right. Well, let's talk about Sandlot real quick and then we'll we'll get get into some of the the virtues of these. Uh, The Sandlot, 1993. In the summer of 1962, a new kid in town is taken under, under the wing of a young baseball prodigy and his rowdy team resulting in many adventures. Uh, Directed by David Mickey Evans, written by David Mickey Evans and Robert Gunter, starring Tom Guidry, Mike Vitar, Art LaFleur, that's the guy that plays Babe Ruth, by the way, and he plays another baseball player in another film in our in our pool. James Earl Jones and Patrick Renna as Ham. I'll go ahead and just say uh, some of the things I like, and I'm going to let you guys duke it out. Um, I've always liked The Sandlot. Uh, it's got some of the most iconic lines in films. 
the uh, you're killing me, Smalls. Patrick Renna to this day looks exactly like he did when he was a kid, and <laughs> yep. he seems like a really good natured guy. He's very big on social media. James Earl Jones in both of these films. Mm-hmm. You know, playing two completely different characters at different stages in his life. The Sandlot <clears throat> really captures that early 60s kind of uh, uh, Wonder Years kind of feel. If you like that kind of, uh, of, of, of genre, this definitely epitomizes that. But then you've got Bingo Long, which um, really talks about a part of our history that gets shuffled under the rug a little bit. And uh, it's a good point for me to mention in this year's uh, MLB, the show video game, they went out of their way to do a segment on the Negro leagues. And there's an entire playable series with all these Negro league players. And each player gets his own video highlight from the curator of the Negro league museum in Kansas city. And it's some beautiful archival footage and some great commentary and I, I, Joey, I pointed this out to you when I first got the game. Yeah, really, it really, it looks amazing. Um, yeah. I really hope that they release that footage as like a playable thing, like on YouTube or something, so you can just watch it for people who aren't into video games. But uh, it's definitely a, a fun movie. Uh, <clears throat> came out the same year as Bad News Bears, and uh, it really talks about a part of uh, baseball history that I think deserves its its moment in the sun. Go at it, guys. What do you like better? Well, let me say a little bit about The Sandlot first. This was another one that, shockingly, I had not seen until this week when I was prepping for the episode. Uh, and so all all these years, I, I had no idea that you're killing me, Smalls, that that was about s'mores. Uh, I had no idea the context of it. I knew the line. I knew where it came from, but I didn't know the context of it. And I didn't know that my favorite burger at a local burger bar establishment uh, the Wendy Peppercorn uh, was named <laughs> after the object of preteen lust in this movie. So, uh, they're, they're, the Sandlot's great. I mean, it, both of these movies are very good. Like I said, I struggle with this one. I, do you want me to reveal my pick? Or sure, go ahead. I, I, I struggled with it. I ultimately decided to go with Bingo Long, but this was like you know, bottom of the ninth, two outs, full count. Bingo Long bunts home a run to win. It, this one hurt my heart, and I feel like the Sandlot, with a more accurate, better seating, could have made a run. But anyway, it didn't make it out of the first round. Todd, what do you think? Bingo Long had a tough row to hoe with me because the Sandlot, I was like the audience for that when it came out and saw it when it came out. Uh, I did rewatch it. Um, this week because I, I did want to give fair uh, or bingo long a fair hearing um, and say, okay, let me see what the flaws are here. And, and sure, I mean, the, you know, it's not a uh, Sandlot certainly isn't a perfect movie. Uh, I do think I would compare it in some ways to the natural, whereas the natural has sort of an adult mythologizing of baseball. Uh, the Sandlot is kid mythologizing because I don't think we're meant to take, um, you know, so, so the, uh, uh, the, the young kid, the narrator is um, uh, is now like a baseball announcer and right. he's telling the story. I don't think we're meant to take this as realism, right? We're, we're sure. like none of like some of this didn't have it's, yeah. it's mythologizing, it's idealized so memory, it's idealized yeah. mythologizing, and so I think it kind of fits in with uh, the natural in that sense, but also it, it, that nostalgic quality of like the Wonder Years type. The thing that you, quality that you mentioned earlier, which I think again in the baseball sports genre is not only fine but 
part of the recipe. Yeah. It feels um, a lot like a Christmas story to me. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. A lot that's of actually good. Yeah. That's why I mentioned the Wonder Years. I mean, those are all in that mythology. same. Yep. Yeah. And Bingo Long, I liked. I. I I, I it, it was uh, you're absolutely right. It covered kind of a part of baseball history that oftentimes isn't touched on. I felt like maybe sometimes it was the tone was just almost completely lighthearted. Like even when racist things were happening, it was handled in a lighthearted way. And but so it is a comedy, though. It's, I know, but yeah, I mean that's fair. I'm not. I mean, you know, I mean, it's fair. I'm just saying are allowed it, to tackle heavy shit with comedy. You know, they are. Right. I didn't so, say they weren't allowed. What's your to, vote? I'm voting, so I'm voting for the Sandlot. I'm so. voting for the Sandlot. I, I respect that. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. It, like I said, it, I, I agonized over this one. Ultimately, I did have Bingo on my on my card, but uh, yeah, I get okay. that. Yeah, all right. Moving right along, we're going to talk about Moneyball, number three seed, Moneyball, 2011, Oakland A's general manager Billy Bean's successful attempt to assemble a baseball team on a lean budget by employing computer-generated analysis to acquire new players. Directed by Bennett Miller, written by Stephen Zalian, Aaron Sorkin, Stan Shervin, and starring Brad Pitt, Robin Wright, and Jonah Hill. Going head-to-head with 1992's The Babe, directed by Arthur Hiller, written by John Fusco, starring John Goodman, Kelly McGillis, Trini Alvarado, Bruce Boxleitner, and James Cromwell. And this, of course, is a biopic about uh, The Babe. Babe Ruth, who wants to go first on this? Well, uh, for me, Moneyball is, uh, when I saw the list, that's definitely one of the ones that pops out at me first and foremost as being one of my, I won't say dark horses because it's obviously the third seed, but um, I love this movie. Um, And one of the things I like about it, first off, it offers something a little bit different from some of the other movies in that it gives you the behind the scenes look at how teams are put together. And what I think this movie does really well and why I love it so much is that that sounds on the surface like something that's just like egghead baseball nerd type shit. But it's very skillfully put together in such a way that even someone who doesn't care about, um, you know, the statistics and the, you know, on base percentages and all that stuff can still really get into it. I love the uh, almost comedic relationship that develops between Billy Bean played by Brad Pitt and uh, Peter Brand, played by um, Jonah Hill. I think it's one of uh, Brad Pitt's best performances, maybe his best performance. I'm not a huge fan of his in general, mm-hmm. um, but I love the way his performance in this because I think that he does get dark at times with his character. Yeah. Um, almost creepy in some ways, uh, but but then it's still a guy you can root for, so it doesn't go too far over the edge, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and so I just think it takes a subject matter that on the surface could turn off a lot of viewers in terms of its appeal and makes it very appealing. I love the score. that's very understated. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I like a lot about it. So I won't take up too much more time. Have you, but y'all, have you watched The Babe? I watched The Babe. So I, was, I watched The Babe when it originally came out, so 30-some-odd years ago. Okay. Um, it didn't make a huge impression on me at the time. Um, I revisited some highlights this week. I didn't honestly feel the need to really rewatch it. I know you said you it's fresher in your mind, so maybe you can. I watched it this week, but Joey, what do you have to say about either film? Uh, I'll just echo everything Todd said about Moneyball. I okay. agree with that 100. percent The Babe. Um, I revisited some highlights of it this week. I like Todd. I saw it years and years ago. I remember John Goodman's performance being okay. 
he looks like the babe and the performance. I, I don't remember anything wrong with the performance, but the movie was weird tonally. The movie is the most unbaseball baseball movie ever. It's really like the baseball scenes are so poorly done mm-hmm. that I get that, that the babe was kind of like a jovial guy and, and he kind of was, it was good natured and, and baseball was just something he did. And, but it was almost like, a, a, like a Saturday night live sketch where it was just John Goodman with this weird, like stroke face kind of, <laughs> and it, that, it was like, he was disconnected from reality. It was mm-hmm. really strange. But, um, the scene where he's picked up from the orphanage by the Baltimore Orioles, it's an adult John Goodman with this goofy ass mm-hmm. page boy wig on and a, mm-hmm. and a newsboy cap. I laughed out loud. I said, you're fucking shitting me. This is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> the music was appro- inappropriately assertive. I did not understand their choices there. Um, there's some continuity errors that are pretty terrible in this film. Uh, just shoddy. Everything you said about Moneyball, um, it's a cool, true story. Uh, Billy Bean's done it twice. He did it with the A's. He did it with the Red Sox. Also noteworthy that that uh, this is a genre of movies that's ba- with a lot of movies based on real things. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but cool this thing, is one of the few ones of like a front office. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the cool thing they did could... was they interspersed uh, sometimes with the dramatization mm-hmm. of certain scenes that happen with the real thing. So when uh, Hatterberg hits the home run, which is the climactic moment of the film, they go back and forth between uh, the actor um, and he's a famous actor and I can't recall his name that played Hatterberg. Um, that's from Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Chris Pratt? Yeah, so he, yeah, he plays Hatterberg in, okay. in, in uh, Moneyball. But um, anyway, they go back and forth. between. They edit it back and forth between his reactions and then the real reaction from the actual home run that was hit. So I thought that was a cool sort of reminder to the audience that, hey, this actually happened. So, it, you know, it's kind of um, sentimental in some ways, but also, hey. All right, we're Moneyball all the way. Yeah. All right, uh, takes us to number five, Field of Dreams. We've talked about this on the show before. <laughs> 1989, Iowa farmer Ray Kinsella is inspired by a voice that he can't ignore to pursue the dream he can hardly believe. Supported by his wife, Ray begins the quest by turning his ordinary cornfield into a place where dreams can come true. Directed by Phil Alden Robinson, writers W.P. Kinsella, Phil Alden Robinson. Starring Kevin Costner, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, Burt Lancaster, Amy Madigan, Tim Busfield, Frank Whaley, and Art LaFleur. Again, <laughs> it's sappy. It's daddy worship. It's melodrama. It's, it is what it is. Uh, it's and God going, damn it, I love it. It's going head-to-head with 1994's Cobb. A writer hired to write the official biography of Ty Cobb discovers just how dark the baseball legend's real story is. Directed by Ron Shelton, directed by, I'm sorry, written by Al Stump and Ron Shelton, starring Tommy Lee Jones, Robert Wall, and Lolita da, 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 Lolita da, da, Lolita Davidovich. <laughs> All right. Um, I saw Cobb this week. Does anybody want to talk about it besides me? It's the You said that, you, in particular, you did not like Tommy Lee Jones' portrayal of Cobb. You thought it was one note. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with that. I, I haven't seen it in years. I don't remember the his performance being that bad, but what I do remember is that perhaps accurately, perhaps we get the technical version of it. Cobb is such an asshole that it makes this very, very difficult 
to watch, and it's just not an enjoyable experience at that, all. My impression exactly. The first twenty minutes, I said, "This is a hard to watch movie." Mm-hmm. I stopped. I came back to it. I watched another ten minutes. I mm-hmm. stopped. I came back to it. It took me the better part of a week to finish the film. Um, there are some terrible photoshops of this with Tommy Lee Jones photoshopped into the Ty Cobb's like historic photographs. It's awful. Um, Roger Clemens is in this movie. He yeah, is I... the opposing pitcher that, that Ty Cobb's taunting the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some inconsistent age makeup. Anytime Tommy Lee Jones was wearing a hat, they didn't white his hair. <laughs> it's like laziness. Um, but the thing I have the problem with is that when Tommy Lee Jones is excellent, at playing Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, yeah. He's great in The Fugitive. He's great in these movies where he's, you know, no country for no old country men. Man, yeah, I was going to say. But the minute you ask Tommy Lee Jones to ratchet it up just a little bit above his range, it becomes somebody play acting. It becomes a community theater person just becoming off the wall erratic. And it reminded me of his portrayal of Two-Face in, in the Batman movie that he was in. He's just outside himself. And that's what that was the case here. It was hard to believe and hard to uh, just enjoy. Uh, besides that, uh, uh, Robert Wall very well cast as a sports writer. I mean, it's Robert Wall. I mean, it's it's RLS. And major another one that keeps popping up and things. He was in uh, Bull Durham. Yeah, as the it was in um, uh, yeah Bull Durham. At he least. he lives in this world. Uh, Lolita Davidovich was wasted in this movie. I don't even know why she signed on. She was hardly featured, but. Uh, that that was Ty Cobb, uh, but of course, Field of Dreams. We've talked about this on the show before. Uh, anything you guys want to say about Field of Dreams? Besides, uh, well, well just uh, one of my all. Uh, I love Field of Dreams. I watch it probably once a year, so I, that kind of gives you sort of a a preview of, of where my vote may be uh, going. Although maybe not, but um, I find it hard to believe that uh, two uh, writers slash English professors would really like this movie. I don't. <laughs> so here's the thing. Usually sentimental would turn me off but and joey has uh, rolled his eyes at me before at my love of sentimental uh, inspirational, inspirational sports, sports movies i'm sorry it, i just love them no, that's I, the one sports is the one arena i'm where, with hey, you let's be sentimental let's let's feel the dreams is to me the ultimate father's day movie it is uh just it gets dad me you want to have a catch i mean how it can gets you not, me every single time every time I was gonna Every say time. with with Sean, yeah, I agree with everything you said about it. It's overly sentimental, but any kind of like father son shit, especially when it's couched in like you know the nostalgia of like you know the hazy glow of baseball just reduces me to a fucking bucket of tears yeah. instantly mm-hmm. every time. When so, Burt Lancaster's yeah. character oh, crosses the line yes. to save the daughter. And you know he can't go back. Oh, God, yeah. just heartbreaking. And and then, of course, it, the thing the thing about this is that you also, besides the film itself, looking at it in a historic lens, I mean, for God's sakes, Major League Baseball has started the Field of Dreams game. And that was awesome. The first Field of Dreams Absolutely. game was amazing. A guy hit a walk-off home run into the corner. The intro of the players coming out of the cornfield with uh, Kevin Costner doing yeah. his thing. Um, Amazing. I don't know if Kevin Costner will be back after his most recent uh, little deals in mm-hmm. the media. But uh, anyway. Uh, I do want to mention one thing because I've read the novel. And so one thing I think is int- It's just a little tidbit, but one thing I think is interesting. The James Earl Jones character in the novel, it's actually J.D. Salinger. Yes. J.D. Salinger is whoa, the... Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, Really? So, so, so J.D. Salinger is a character in the novel uh, essentially doing the James Earl Jones role. So the James Earl Jones character is a creation 
Pro- I'm, and I'm good sure call. J- I'm sure good J.D. Call. Salinger would have sued the shit out yeah, of him. Of course. If, but uh, but it's also a good call. It's a much better choice. Um, I actually like the movie better than the novel. So um, Field of Dreams is moving on. Definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. One hundred percent. All right. Last bracket, and then we'll head into intermission. Uh, we've got number six, Eight Men Out from 1988, a dramatization of the Black Sox scandal when the underpaid Chicago White Sox accepted bribes to deliberately lose the 1919 World Series. Directed by John Sayles, written by Elliot Asanoff and John Sayles. Starring John Cusack, Clifton James, Jace Alexander, John Mahoney, Michael Rooker, D.B. Sweeney, and Charlie Sheen. What a fucking cast. That's a murderer's row. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to go head-to-head with 42 from 2013. In 1947, Jackie Robinson becomes the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball in the modern era when he was signed by the Brooklyn Dodgers and faces considerable racism in the process. Directed by Brian Helgeland and written by Brian Helgeland. Starring Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, T.R. Knight, Harrison Ford, Chris Maloney, Lucas Black, Alan Tudyk, and John C. McGinley. Go. Uh, the, no, Harrison Ford, come on. He's out of his depth here. Thank rrr, you. Rrr, rrr, right. rrr, doing the gruff like. You Here's know, what oh, I had to say about yeah. this. Harrison Ford is not a character actor. Then no. why, why the hell would you hire him to play a character like Branch Rickey? Exactly. He's just the gr- he's trying to do the grumbling thing, and you know, trying to he's dr- trying to do the Tom Hanks thing from you know League of Their Own. On forty two, I, I call it the N word drinking game. Uh, <laughs> this will have you crawl on the floor drunk. Uh, Alan Tudyk had to have been uncomfortable with his role. I mean, he hats off to him for performing it so. Um, Assholey. I mean, <laughs> he he was horrible, but uh, good on him for that. And uh, I feel like I, I feel like we're we're. It seems like we're we're gonna put eight men out through, and I that's my pick. But forty two, the Jackie Robinson story when they finally got around to making a Jackie Robinson biopic. That's arguably one of the most important yeah. baseball stories to tell. It should have been a better movie. It and there's nothing really wrong with it aside I, from what y'all talk. I think Harrison Ford took away from it. I yeah. really do because it is right. a neat story. I but love. But beyond that, they try to hammer it into just such a just stereotypical biopic inspirational script and it just to me doesn't work yeah um and i and i love chadwick boseman i thought he's fine in the uh, role yeah i thought he was fine and um i just go ahead the peewee reese moment we'll all wear 42 tomorrow and they won't be able to tell us apart come on yeah a little little thick little thick (laughs) yeah little thick I think supposedly he did say something like that, but still, that you know. And um, Eight Men Out is stands out on this list of sixteen movies because almost without fail, these tell very inspirational stories about the power of baseball. Blah blah blah. Uh, with a few exceptions, Eight Men Out being one of the most notable ones. This is a story about corruption. Yeah, and. Also a very important part of baseball history. I yeah. mean, that's one of the most interesting, you know, interludes in baseball history. That 1919, was it? Black yeah. Sox scandal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, just, it easily goes And And me. players betting on themselves or betting against themselves has happened throughout baseball history. And this is one case. Ty Cobb bet against himself or bet on himself. Yep. Um, and, of course, the Pete Rose scandal. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's, it's actually it's popped, well, no, it's popped up in NFL recently. Players betting on themselves. Right. It's it's real, and it's and there's a squirrel right outside. The I was going to wonder if the, I was well, wondering uh, if the reader, if the readers, if the uh, audience could hear this 
seemingly in heat squirrel right outside the window of he our studio. He is disagreeing <laughs> with our brackets. <laughs> but the evils of capitalism come through here, too, because you kind of sympathize with what the players are doing. Uh, the, right. the, the pitcher, yeah. Eddie, who, you know, doesn't want to go through with the gambling initially, is doing it mm-hmm. because he gets shitted by the owner, Comiskey, Comiskey who, yeah. who cheats him out of his uh, bonus by, you know, he, he's going to get a bonus if he gets 30 wins. They pull and he, yeah. he, he makes the manager... Sit him for the last yeah. two weeks so he can't get the thirtieth win. Yeah, it's uh, and this is an era when mo- players weren't making a lot of money. Most of them had jobs in the off season the, and that kind of thing. The thing I like about Eight Men Out that I didn't like about the Babe, I didn't like about Sixty One, I didn't like about Cobb. It had the feel of vintage baseball, mm-hmm. and they had it. They got it right. It does it, it? It was snappy. It it felt dirty. It felt uh, intimate. Because the stadiums, the seating, there was smaller seating. There were smaller crowds. Um, they get the feel of baseball right better than probably most of the movies that we've got that we've talked about today, specific to their time period. Um, I really enjoyed that. And yeah, I agree. Uh, again, I go back to the fact that you've got a very young cast of, of up and comers who <laughs> really. Michael really Rook was terrific as Chick. I yeah. think that was an underrated uh, performance. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Rooker, up Rooker, until that point, sorry, had, uh, Rooker up until that point had done Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I mean, he's he's good. Oh, yeah. So, and, of course, we all know him you know, now from the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff and um, a few other films. But anyway, uh, well, we've run well into uh, over 45 minutes, so we're going to take a break and, uh, and come back, and we're going to finish out this bracket. But before we go... We're going to say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. (laughs) I don't care if I ever get back. Come back from intermission. What do we like to do, Joey? We like to drink beers and talk about drinking beers. <laughs> That's right. So we've had a few today. Um, we've got uh, Voodoo Ranger from the uh, uh, juice. Uh, they have a few different varieties. This one is the Juicy Hazy IPA. Juicy Hazy. Uh, Joey's got some Pluff Mud Porter from. Uh, There's more of this to go around. If someone wants to pour. What's the name of the brewery? Uh, uh, Holy City. Holy City. Charleston. That's right. And then earlier, I had a uh, new anthem beer called uh, Clapback. That was pretty good. By that the was way. good. Yeah. Galaxy Dry Hopped IPA, and I'm also drinking their Dive Bar right now, which is a just a session beer. 
I gotta I gotta be ready to pitch later on tonight, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna drink light. All right, so we're gonna jump into the uh, next round of the brackets. This is gonna go a lot faster, folks. We promise because we've talked about most of these movies, but uh, we're gonna dive right in, and we're going with Bull Durham versus The Natural. Who wants to start? Boy, this one's tough. This one is really tough. So, uh, Bull Durham and The Natural are actually a great contrast in styles matchup, whereas Bull Durham is more of the realistic, let's look at the nitty-gritty underground of baseball in the minor leagues and how tough it is versus The Natural, which is pure Mm -hmm. myth-making. Joey, you you have some thoughts of I can't pick yet. Well, I was just one of the things we were talking about during the intermission is that one of the things that I like most about this podcast is uh, when I do the research for the movies, looking at what other the other body of work that the directors and writers and actors have done. And uh, the director of Bull Durham, his name escapes me right now. For some reason, I didn't write it down in my oh, notes. Oh, I've got it. Let me um, see. It's, it's uh, Bull Durham. You said Bull Durham? Yeah, his body um, of work. That is, uh, that's, that's Ron Shelton. Ron Shelton. His body of work is untouchable <laughs> i mean especially in the sports genre he did 10 cup uh, i've actually never seen that <laughs> another it 10 cups all right yeah yeah i mean it you know it's a sports movie and it just kind of specializes in this thing he did white men can't jump okay writer oh. director um which it strikes me as i say it out loud might not be as good as i remember it being but it was for it was the good. time it was something special yeah, yeah it's a great movie in my memory yeah i agree with todd this one was tough for me you know that mythology versus gritty realism anybody who's familiar with my own writing body of work knows that i tend more toward gritty realism but I, i'm voting for the natural guys oh. this is my big upset this is my big upset it's okay a dark horse in my bracket and i like the way it mythologizes baseball I just like it better than I like Bull Durham. I just do. I'm going to go with uh, Bull Durham. I like cynicism. I like flawed characters. and this, They're both great. I mean, this, Bull Durham yeah, is a great, yeah. great movie. For yeah. me, Bull Durham has it in spades. Uh, I, I've already said I don't really care for the naturals. Just sappy, sappy uh, idealism, but that's just me. This is one of the few rooms that I'm ever in where I'm the least cynical person in the room. (laughs) Maybe that's why I like hanging out with you guys. I don't know. (sighs) So it all comes down to me. You're the tiebreaker. Do we need a drum roll, gentlemen? Something? (laughs) No. No, we don't need one. Um, Okay. So I'm actually... So the... I'm going to go with what I wrote down earlier today, which is Bull Durham. Oh, okay. Uh, I love the natural... The myth making, but Bull Durham kind of revisit. I didn't watch it, rewatch it in full because I've seen it many times. But in in revisiting some of the key scenes from that movie uh, over the last couple days, um, the witty banter, the um, one guy on the downswing, the other guy on the upswing, um, the lack. You know, even though even though I, as I've said earlier, I do think that sentiment mentality in uh, this genre is perfectly fine. Um, I think that in this case, though, this movie just sort of nails the realistic side of it while still being enjoyable and not so cynical that it's like depressing at the end, right? Yep. It still ends on kind of a high note. Um, so He gets the girl. I, yeah, he gets the girl. He doesn't get his major league career, but he gets the girl. Okay. Right. And... Um, 
And then Meat, of course, you know, you end up liking him by the end of the movie, and he's going off to the majors, and Crash is happy for him, and all that good stuff. And so, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna Bull have Durham. to go with Bull Durham. All right, jumping across the bracket, we're gonna look at the Bad News Bears versus League of Their Own. I like the Bad News Bears uh, for better or for worse, and I say this without any sort of socio political agenda. They don't make them like that anymore. Um, it, it you know it could have made a run here. Uh, a League of Their Own deserves a much higher seating. It is... The only flaw in this movie for me is... Y'all talked about loving... Uh, Sean talked about loving Tom Hanks's portrayal. Yeah. To me, it's a little one note. Like, yeah. he's kind of gruff. and like... Ah, rah, 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 you know, yeah. but... As Todd pointed out, it's not unrealistic that there are guys like that. Uh, it's a great movie. It's a feel-good movie. It hits all the right notes. I'm putting League of, League of Their Own through in my bracket. Um, I, a league of their own. I uh, was fascinated by how that whole chapter yeah. of baseball history yeah. too, yeah. and how seamlessly they did yeah. working in the fictional story with the real. Yeah, if I didn't women, say if I yeah. didn't say a league of their own, Chelsea would come down from her assignment out of town and kick my ass. I would. Uh, I respect that. So yeah. league of their own. Okay, so we are unanimous on league, and we will move on down to. It our, should be noted that bad news bears. Deserves its spot in the pantheon of oh, absolutely films. it does absolutely. Well, that's but the reason it was, was the a, number two seed. It's, it's a uh, tough draw. It is a it, it spawned a, a total franchise. Uh, what and three sequels? At least I, there's at more least than two. that. Even I think they uh, go to Japan. Japan. There's and, Bad News Bears two. I remember the one where they went to the Astrodome. Yeah. Which one was yep. that? Yep, I oh. can't remember either. And then there was the uh, then of course a reboot. So, um, yeah, it it does you know, pat yourself on the back. It's a great it's a great film franchise. Uh, all right, so we're jumping down to uh, the Sandlot versus Seal, uh, Field of Dreams. Um, I know mine. Ooh. Uh, as much as I love the Sandlot, sorry, Field of Dreams uh, in a uh, in a wipeout. I Same. Mean, um, Field of Dreams is just the iconic uh, baseball movie to me in terms of um, it's got myth making, but it also has a little bit of realism mixed. It's that ma- magical realism recipe, I guess you would call it, mm-hmm. um, that really works for me. Uh, I love. Uh, there are just so many great scenes in there. I love the scene where you know Kevin Costner's character goes to um, the uh, James Earl Jones character's uh, uh, apartment. Terrence and, uh, Mann. Terrence Mann, and they have that little. He uh, he pretends to hold him up with a with his finger in his uh, jacket or whatever, you know, pretending it's a gun and getting him to come Some out. Great stuff. Um, and uh, and then when uh, you know uh, uh, Terrence Mann, pre- you know, actually acknowledges that he saw um, the uh, the same thing that that uh, Kevin Costner's character had seen at yep. at, uh, at Fenway Park. And he says, what did I see, Ray? I don't know. I, I, I just love that stuff. Um, so for me, Field of Dreams um, and in a 20-point blowout. Well, I'm going to say Field of Dreams as well. So, Joey, your, your well, opinion is anecdotal. It, it, yeah, but the uh, I was going to vote the same way. Okay. The Sandlot, again, like Bad News Bears, deserves its spot in the pantheon of baseball movies. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. It, I, I, but Field of Dreams kind of shocked me that it didn't come in as the number one overall seed honestly and 
It is arguably the baseball movie. Roger Ebert called it the kind of film that Frank, Frank Capra may have made if he yeah. were alive, you know, in the... If 90s. you read some of those uh, Rotten Tomatoes, like, excerpt reviews, it is what, you know, we've talked about with the sentimentality. So some of the uh, critics just aren't going to go... Heartless go bastards. Yep. So that, All right, so uh, moving on, then, we're talking about two very different movies, Moneyball versus Eight Men Out. I mean, I've already said that Moneyball is... Uh, I, I'll I'll be honest. Uh, on a list of the top movies of the 21st century, it'd probably be in my top 20 to 30 list. I haven't actually done that list. That's a strong statement. I love that movie. I think it's a great film, um, like an actual great film just outside of the genre. Uh, Eight Men Out is a great. I like that movie a lot. It offers something different from some of the other films as well. But so does Moneyball, as we've mm-hmm. talked about. Um, and so for me. Uh, even though Eight Men Out is a worthy opponent, I've got to go with Moneyball. Joey? I feel like I'm going to be the, the deciding vote on this one, and I am still a little bit torn, so I'm going to let Sean, I'm going to defer to Sean. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a curveball. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go with Eight Men Out. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to go against you on that. I love Moneyball. And I, like you said, it's one of the rare films where we get to see the, uh, the front office aspect of baseball. Um, I like this one because we get to see the, the conflict of corruption. We get to see a courtroom drama. Um, and again, I fall back on that fantastic casting that Mm -hmm. was these guys. Some of these guys were not even stars at the time and they turned in great performances and became great actors. And you know, now that I think about eight men out in some ways is reminiscent of those noir boxing films that we talked about in the boxing episode, a similar sort of vibe there. So I'm going to go with eight men out. Ooh. Um, here's my logic on this one. I think that Moneyball is a better film than eight men out. I do think, however, there is a argument to be made that Eight Men Out is a better baseball movie mm, okay. than Moneyball. Uh, it's Moneyball is about analytics, uh, which has a has had a decidedly, I think we can all agree, mixed okay. outcome on the game yeah. itself. A very important baseball story to tell. I think that a more important baseball story to tell and a more compelling one is the 1919 Black Sox scandal. I'm going to throw a curveball here. I'm going to go with eight men out. Woo! Wow. wow. Okay. All right. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Now we've got some stuff to talk about. We have Bull Durham starring Kevin Costner against Field of Dreams starring you know, in the final four, Kevin right? Costner. <laughs> And yep. we have League of Their Own, an ensemble cast, versus Eight Men Out, an ensemble cast. So uh, let's start with uh, oof. Let's start with League of Their Own and Eight Men Out. Okay, I'm gonna have to criticize y'all's choice because I think it would have been much closer between Moneyball and a League of Their Own. Todd is League still clearly butthurt. Butthurt. That, butt that Moneyball did not make it <laughs> hey, through. Hey, I acknowledge it's a good. It's movie. a great yeah, movie. It's, it's a great fine. movie. It's fine. <laughs> but I'm gonna yeah, League of Their Own to me is the Eight Men Out's a very good film for the reasons you guys gave. I, I definitely agree with with uh, your logic there. Um, but to me, League of Their Own has more cultural currency as well, which I do think is important in considering these movies. Uh, people know uh, 
I mean, people that aren't even baseball fans, a lot of you know, gr- uh, young girls from this era especially uh, like this movie, even if they're not sports fans uh, because of the, you know, the, uh, the female empowerment aspect of it. Um, and and it's, a, it's got feel-good elements, but there's also sad moments too. Uh, so it has a good blend of, uh, of drama in there. So anyway, I'm going to go with League of Their Own um, over uh, Eight Men Out, which, um, yeah. Good historical document, but maybe yeah. not as well rounded. I agree with everything that Todd just said. That was that this is my. Pick I'm gonna well. I'm gonna say league as well. Um, granted that the eight you know eight been out. Um, again, I talked about the great casting. I talked about the the authenticity of the feel of baseball. Um, it's arguably, I think, as far as the movies we watch for this episode. It gets the baseball part of it better yeah. than almost yeah. any of them. Um, but League of Their Own, uh, it tells a great story. Again, falling back to what I said earlier about the you know passing the Bechdel test in spades. Um, some great characters, some great performances. Uh, not just I, I mentioned Tom Hanks, but you know we were in such a rush to get through uh, some of these other uh, performances. Not, not even just the big stars were great, you know. Mm-hmm. And you've got family treachery you know yeah. the uh the, the the how dare you how could you oh the sister versus together. sister yeah. rather than yeah. the brother versus brother yeah angle, so, which is so there's some there's some fun stuff in there um and of course it should be noted also that the the film got uh rebooted as a tv series on amazon uh, i think it's lasted one season one and a half seasons i didn't even know about that I didn't yeah. either have yeah, you seen you any of yeah, this uh um yeah, it's it's not bad. Uh, they introduce African American characters into the mix as well, oh, which is something that was not part of the film. Um, what, wait, in real history, baseball itself was still segregated. It at, was. These are girls that are trying to play in the girls in the girls' so, league, so they had to go and form their own or something. I don't know how was it, the whatever it was called the girls' league. Was it were there black players in there uh, in it, real life? It, I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. It, again, uh, I'm sure they took great liberties with yeah. that. But we're talking about this As film. As one should yeah. when writing historical fiction. But we're talking about this film, and we've all decided that a league of their own is going to advance to the finals to face the winner of Bull Durham versus Field of Dreams. Okay. Anybody wish Ooh. to uh, weigh in on this one? Uh, again, uh, gritty realism versus mythology except that you could argue that the gritty realism in this case is a, say, dressed-down romantic comedy. Okay. That's I, an argument there. I, I'm, I'm a bit torn on this one. I, what are you guys What are you guys voting? Well, I'm going to uh, go with Field of Dreams. Um, you have contrasting styles here, as you noted, but um, I just have to go with what I revisit more frequently, which I watch. I probably watch Field of Dreams at least once every two years, let's say. Um, I didn't rewatch it for this because I've seen it probably within the last four or five months. Um, it's just one that uh, hits the right note for me. Um, I get it, it, the, the man blubbering is just yeah. always there, even though. It, you know, may, maybe some people would roll their eyes at it. You know, Dad, you want to have a catch? That's just, come on. When the, at the very end, when you see the, 
you know, the line of the cars coming yep. down to the speech that James Earl Jones gives about the... It's baseball, Ray. Yeah. yeah. Baseball. I'm... Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, I'm going to go with Field of Dreams, too. Make it easy on you, Joey. I'm going with Field of Dreams. It's, uh, it's a magical movie. We're talking about baseball, but we're also talking about movies and movie magic, and I think that Field of Dreams hits it. So I think I ultimately would have gone there too. Okay. Okay. All right. So now, oh God, <laughs> Field of Dreams versus League of Their Own. Whew. Tough. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, do this. my. Uh, well, maybe I'm jumping ahead. My original final was Field of Dreams against Moneyball, uh, so I had League of Their Own going out earlier. Not then. That's not a knock on League of Their Own, but. I'm going to have to go with Field of Dreams. Um, to me, that's the ultimate baseball film in terms of capturing the magic, magical quality of it. Um, the American pastime element of it, as as compelling as League of Their Own is, as great as it is, to me, Field of Dreams just is, like I said, the ultimate baseball movie. We even have now the Field of Dreams game in Major yep. League Baseball, which was amazing watching in the very first of those games to be played, a walk-off home run going into the cornfield. I mean, so Field of Dreams for me. Joey, you're the guest. You've got to go. Well, to me, the deciding factor here, in because we're not we're not just looking at which is the better film. We're looking at which is the better baseball movie. And the crossover, the fact... I mean, League of Their Own has become a cultural touchstone. We Everyone knows it. Even me, who hadn't seen it until earlier this week, was familiar with it. Right. There's no crying in baseball, all that, you know. Um, but Field of Dreams, like you said, is, is the quintessential baseball movie. And for me, the deciding factor was the fact that its relevance has actually crossed over out of the silver screen onto the actual baseball field... Major League Baseball itself has embraced this movie. I'm going to vote Field of Dreams as my champion. Coming out of the number five slot. Should have been rated, ranked yep. higher than that. I it's unanimous, folks. Field of <laughs> Dreams is the number one baseball movie, according to Cinema Chop Shop. And if you <laughs> don't like it, you can add us on social media. Cinema Chop Shop, everywhere at you me, go. At me. Hit us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can email us cinemachopshop at gmail.com you can watch an audio presentation of this episode on youtube cinema chop shop podcast sorry for being away for so freaking long but i think we're going to get it back on track we've got some uh schedules that have eased up for some of our guests and uh we've got some cool episode ideas joey what do you well, want to say? say one last thing what do if, you want to say if this had been a football movies episode or a basketball movies episode, i was thinking about this earlier i they're not that many good football well, movies what i was gonna say is i think that i would prefer the gritty realistic approach to a football movie or a basketball movie mm -hmm. but something yeah. about baseball you know with all that you know father and son crap and like you know all the nostalgia something about it just makes me gravitate toward the uh the the mythical and the fantastical and the sentimental and that's what separates baseball from other sports i think i do have one question did either of you have anything that was that in on your individual brackets that did not happen uh in our um, the natural went further in my bracket i think than it did the in natural went further than i thought it would Guys, I want to thank you both for coming in and doing the show. Um, 
staying in for extra innings. Huh? Huh? <laughs> um, Joey, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, not at the moment. Todd? No plugs at the moment, no. Any movies that everybody needs to go watch? I don't know if it's a good movie, but Bo is Afraid is an extremely interesting movie, and I was not bored at any point in the three hours. It's three hours long, so fair warning. And some people may, you know, lose interest, but uh, it kept me interested. I don't know what the hell it was about, uh, other than maybe some Freudian stuff in there. But um, a movie that makes me think is a movie that I think is worth seeing. Jojo? Uh, I'm going to go in the other direction. I just saw Cocaine Bear. Yes. And uh, <laughs> don't have much to say about it other than that it is exactly what you think it is. Okay. <laughs> I will equate Cocaine Bear to another recommendation, which is Renfield. It's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. Yeah. You'll have a good time. Um, I think it was a lot of fun. And then, of course, the other one we were just talking about off mic during intermission, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. Fun movie. Finally, they got a D&D movie out there that people can watch that are fans of the game or not fans of the game. Everyone gets a, everyone gets a cookie at the end, plus you get a Tame Impala song during the uh, ending credits. Thank you, you, the listener, for legging it out. Thanks for sticking around and waiting patiently for the next episode. We promise it will not be this long until the next one. And Joey is pointing at something. Oh, I was just putting my finger in there because I was about to start singing Take Me Out to the Ball oh, Game. I think we have to pay rights on that. <laughs> um, or we will invoke the ghost of Harry Carey. <laughs> so, without further ado, we're going to uh, thank you, the listener, and please remember to watch Chop Retro Fit. <laughs> <laughs>